you, you got you to gotta believe bigger than your current circumstance. You're at where you're at. That's just what it is, right? But you're not stuck there. I think through understanding brain science, it's really helpful because we've come to understand through research that our brain is completely malleable. We can literally change our complete reality, our brains, our chemistry. Like we can become different people genetically. It's ridiculous. So once you realize that, you got to say, cool, what do I want? And you, you just got to go for it and get so obsessed with that idea mm. and the emotions you want from that idea that you just cut off all possibilities and doubt really gets quiet. What up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Max McCoy, and this is Looking Up. Today, I'm joined by Chris Vasquez. Chris and I hit it off immediately because we're both very passionate about psychology and performance, more specifically, the intersection between the two. Chris is a high-performing entrepreneur. He's built a nonprofit that helps build schools and clean water projects. He helps build and recruit for some of the biggest tech companies in the world. He interviews some of the the founders of these biggest uh, tech companies in the world on his podcast. And he's just a personal development student, just like I am. And so this was a really cool conversation because Chris is one of those people I look to and I'm like, yeah, he's studying personal development. He's studying psychology, but he's actually applying it to his life and getting pretty remarkable results. And so this was a cool conversation for us to be able to talk through some of these ideas. We talk about overcoming self-limiting beliefs. We talk about shifting our sense of identity and self-image, which as Chris says, is one of the major points we have to focus on if we want to actually achieve results in our life. So we talk a lot about that. We talk about maintaining momentum towards what we want. We talk about building confidence and so much more. Um, super, super good episode. I had a blast. I knew when I first met Chris that he was just like a soul brother. He values the same things I do. And I knew I had to bring him on the podcast and he did not disappoint. This was a great episode. I thought, um, it lit a fire under my butt. I have been motivated since listening to this and I recommend you listen to it all the way through. I think we get some of our best nuggets at the end of this talk. So, you know, if you have the time, listen to the whole thing. If you want more from me, I am sending out weekly emails every single Monday, including journal prompts, books, um, reflections, articles, podcasts, videos, things that I'm using in real time to keep my mind and spirit sharp, I'm sending out to a small community via email. So if you're interested in receiving more from me, things I'm using in real time to be at my best, consider joining my newsletter. I'll include a link below. And then if you want to help support this podcast grow, I love when you guys share it on Instagram. I love when you send it to a friend, maybe a coworker, maybe send it to your mom or grandma, whoever you think might like this information. Spread the word, spread the love. Um, that means a lot to me, and I would love to see this kind of message spread farther. So I'll stop talking. Thank you for listening to my long-winded intro. Uh, let's get into the episode. Here is my conversation with the one and only Chris Vasquez. Chris, welcome to the podcast, man. I'm very grateful. You and I got to uh, meet last week and we started chopping it up about performance and psychology. And man, I just like was infatuated by your mind and your ability to communicate and all that you're about. I definitely resonate with it. And I think my audience will too. So thanks for coming on the podcast, man. I am excited as hell, man. Thanks for having me. For a brief intro, if you want to like, what is your life like right now? Like you and I talk about performance and psychology and how those kind of intersect. What is your... What is your domain right now in terms of performance? Where are you being called to be at your best? And you know, for some people listening, it might be athletics, some might be business, some might just be getting into their career. So for you, 
what is kind of your sport? What is your, you know, areas of performance um, where you're, yeah, you're achieving at your highest level? It's a really interesting question. For me, it's kind of the game of life. It really mm-hmm. is. I think that for me, there's so many different areas and I, I truly want to be the best at every area. So I feel like if you are really good in business, but you suck at relationships or spirituality or anything else, mm-hmm. um, you're only playing one part of the game. So for me, mm-hmm. uh, the big things I focus on right now are my business, which I, I build technology startups and help build executive and engineering teams. And I do some investing in tech companies. So it's performing at the highest level there. I also have a nonprofit called Through You. Um, so it's, it's playing the best as I can as a leader there and doing our best to build that organization into all it can be. Then I have just my personal self. How can I be the best version of me? Which is really coming down to how can I get to know myself at a deeper level? How can I learn to accept myself? How can I love myself so that I can love others? Uh, and how can I just be the person that I want to be regardless of what material things I'm achieving. So I think there's all these physical real world goals. And I think there's more spiritual, emotional uh, and personality type goals that Mm. I am always trying to max out, optimize and be at the highest level. Because I think when all of those are firing on all cylinders, that's when you are truly living at your, at your peak. And I think that's what fascinated by uh, me by you is like you come off as this like high energy, like obviously super intelligent, well-spoken, you know, you're putting in that work, doing the material things, like you said, you're building the businesses, you have a nonprofit, which I want to hear more about. Um, but then you, you wrap that up saying, am I loving myself? Am I accepting myself? Am I being the best version of myself? And, and there's a, there's a, difference between like, oh, I'm being the best version of myself and I'm getting after it and I'm grinding and I'm hustling and I'm investing in myself. That's one side of personal development, but it's almost like you're tuned into this other side of um, personal development, which could also be considered almost like the spirituality side of things, which is, am I, how is my relationship with my, my inner self? So tell me why that's important to you. And like, when did that become important to you? And why is that something that you answer when I ask, like, how are you performing at your best? You throw in, am I loving myself? Am I accepting myself? I'm fascinated by that. Like, how did that start? So I think, I think greatness is not something you do. I think it's a standard for how you live your life, right? So when I say I'm performing at my best, it doesn't necessarily have to be tied to an outside result. It's more of a standard, right? Because if I were to make $50 million on a deal today, and then I just let myself go, I don't think that'd be living a great life. So for me, it's all about setting up a process to where you're living a life that is successful based on your definition. Mm. And you have to know yourself to do that. And so I didn't always have that philosophy though. For me, my goals were very financially and materially driven at one point. Like I refused to allow myself to accept love or to even entertain the idea of a relationship until I hit six figures and, and that energy drove me. Cause when I was like 20 or 20 or one or 22, um, my whole definition of success was based off that. Cause mm. there's a distinction between there's re- it's really important to understand the energy behind what you do w- when you do things. So for me, a large part of my life, it was that ego, right? It was that insecurities and we all have insecurities and, and traumas, uh, from the past, just, negative emotional charges that get us trapped in these patterns. And we start thinking we, we know what we want, but we're really operating out of the sense of a whole, right? Your, your voids become your values. 
Mm. The things that you're missing most in your life become the things that drive you the most. And so as I realized that and did a lot of the inner work, I realized, yes, it's so important for me to make millions and millions of dollars and create a fully abundant life to where I can literally do whatever I want, have as much money as I could possibly need to have the choices and the freedom to live life how I want, to give freely to my friends and family, to give my time freely and be in a position to do that, to make the impact that I wanna make in the world, which I think finances play a huge role in and success and your network and all that is very critical. But all of that is irrelevant completely irrelevant if you're miserable and doing it for the wrong reasons, right? If, okay. if I'm doing all of that out of an energy that says I need to do this to feel enough, hmm. um, it doesn't matter. You could have a hundred million right now, but if your internal life and your internal narrative says, I don't deserve love, hmm. I'm not enough, uh, you're never going to be happy. And that's what I realized. It's like these material goals are great and you should definitely strive for them because in the process of striving for these goals, you're going to find out who you really are. And that's a really beautiful thing when you get to know yourself. Hmm. So I, I advocate for setting massive goals, but the spiritual emotional side is so key too, because why do you want those goals if you can't enjoy them, hmm. right? What's the point of life if you're achieving all these things, but you don't truly have the skill set to be present and enjoy it and to say, hey, I am enough. This is enough. This is amazing. And I'm so excited for the next thing and for more. Hmm. But I think getting to that internal place of abundance, uh, people hear the word and get desensitized to it. Um, but I, I think you need to look at it from multiple angles, that feeling of where you just feel so accepting and loving of yourself and so full that your conversation, you're spilling light into people, right? Because hmm. you're so filled up. And at that point, it really does function as a catalyst to, to trigger more success, happiness, wealth in every area in your life. So I think you have to do both, but I think it starts with the inner work. And how do how does one start the inner work? I think a lot of my audience, I'm 25. I think a lot of my audience is around that age. And at this age, it's like, you know, we're very early in the professional journey. I know you're still very early in yours too. And so much of that early part of the journey can be out of this place of, I need to prove myself. I need to like make my lane. I need to and like you said perfectly, so much of that energy can come from a place of I'm not enough yet, so let me become enough. Let me like earn it. So what does that inner work look like um, specifics wise? Like, could you go a little deeper on that point in terms of like becoming worthy, becoming uh, enough beforehand? Yeah, I'm going to give you exam an example that's going to illustrate this well. And before I do that, I would just say books, seminars, coaching. Uh, I would always default to coaching and seminars and stuff like that, because you can't read the label from inside the bottle. You know, you can't see your own blind spots. Mm. So having coaches to help you see mm. the limiting patterns and ways you're operating that you can't see is mm. totally invaluable. And you have to be humble enough and coachable enough to want to confront yourself and actually go through that process. So I think that is the number one thing I'd recommend is just go to different courses, like, like the landmarks and the ALAs and just try some of these out and really Put yourself in those uncomfortable spots. But for me, as an example, I think you have to understand what drives you. And I think to, to be free from all these constraints of your ego and your insecurities, you have to know what they are, right? Awareness is always the first step. You can't change something that you're not aware of. So for me, I had this desire to do big things in this world. I wanted to be a CEO of an awesome company. I wanted to be a, a, a thought leader. I wanted to make a huge impact on tons of people's lives. I wanted to create a nonprofit. Uh, I saw all these big dreams, 
and I had these conscious desires, but I felt this resistance and this uncomfortable feeling, this subconscious conflict every time I would dream like that. And I'm like, well, why, why am I not doing that? Why are these desires in my head, but they're not actually happening? So I wanted to go see what are those subconscious beliefs that are holding me back? Because you're always going to default to your subconscious because your subconscious really controls your self image, which regulates what actions you're willing to take and what results you're going to get in life. So I knew I had to do some subconscious belief, self image work. And, um, through the help of a coach, I identified a story in my past where I was 11 years old at a baseball game. And this was the game in the playoffs to go to the world series at 11 years old. And I was on the Chicago Cubs. I'm on second base. It's the bottom of the ninth, two outs. And my teammate hits a pop fly to left field. I'm running to the third base. My coach waves me in to go all the way home to tie the game. I run and I just do the shittiest slide ever. Like I totally broke the rules. I did a shitty slide. I got tagged out and we lost the game. And I looked over at my dugout and this is 11. Keep in mind, this is how vivid it is still. And I see my teammates throw down their mitts and their hats, just like in the movies. Mm. And I went to the dugout. They wouldn't talk to me. Right. They're like, you know what? Screw Chris. You know, they, they literally isolated me. And I felt so ashamed in that moment. There was two things that happened. I one, I said, don't ever put me in the position to lead people again, because I'm going to let them down. Mm. And two, I said, you know what? Screw everyone. I don't need anyone. Right. And these are things I said internally, not out loud. Right. So how did that actually affect my life and all my decisions going forward is I developed a safety mechanism like we all do when we have a traumatic event. Right. And I said, never put me in charge. I literally only did solo sports the rest of my life. I did skateboarding, snowboarding, swimming. I did uh, kickboxing, literally anything where I could be, I couldn't let people down. And then I also developed this kind of like chip on my shoulder, right? Like, you know what, screw everyone. I'm going to prove everyone, not that I'm as good as you, but that I'm better than you so mm. that I can overcompensate for that insecurity, right? So that fuel made me quote unquote successful. Like I, I became the top performer at multiple companies I went to. Um, I was successful in that regard. But the caveat is that I didn't feel successful and I couldn't empower other people because I needed all the attention. I needed the acknowledgement. So from an individual contributor perspective, sure it worked, but it's limiting. And that energy, I'm grateful for it because it got me to a certain point, but realizing that your evolution is predicated on your ability to move past the things that got you to where you are. Mm. So I had to remove that and say, wait a minute, that was a story that I created from an event that wasn't even true when I was like 11. And I, I do belong. I don't need to prove anything to anybody. Mm. And once I really realized that it was kind of crazy, like weeks from that point, I started the nonprofit. Uh, I became, I got promoted to being a director at the company I was previously at and mm. running a team. Um, I just went, I went from being the shooting guard to the point guard. I just wanted mm. to tee other people up for wins. Cause I didn't have to need, I didn't need the, I didn't need that um, validation anymore. And long story short, it's really a process of uncovering your belief systems and patterns that got you to where you are. So you've got to appreciate them and acknowledge them for the positive and what they've done for your life, but really seeing where they're limiting, being aware of those, and then beginning to move beyond those by creating a new possibility that you want to step into. Now that you know that you're not fixed, that you're not stuck being this person you thought you were, once you truly understand that you can be anyone, 
Now it's time to actually paint that picture of who that person is and start taking new actions that are aligned with that person. And over time, you're going to start developing new neural circuits by stop doing other behaviors. You're going to kill other neural circuits and you literally, your brain changes and you become a different person. Fuck yeah, man. I, that, there's so much to unpack there. That is so good. Like, I love that you hit on the point that it's almost as if a lot of us believe, and I've been in this camp before, our personality, this is who I am, you know? And it's like, I got to make do with this personality. Of course, I can acquire different skills. I knew that. Like, we're taught that. But in terms of personality traits, you know, you might have been the lone wolf. Like, you might have just been, no, nah, this is like who I am. So I got to, you know, live my life in accordance with this personality trait. But to hear your story, it reminds me of, you know, it's just our personality is so much, so greatly affected by our, our past and our childhood traumas. And like you said, the protection mechanisms that had to be put in place because of these very acute, small things that happened. But as children, we had these deep subconscious programs kick in saying like, don't let this happen again. Create create a mold somehow in your personality, become the lone wolf so that you will never feel like this again. Uh, and that's a great trait to have in, you know, in, in the case that it will protect you from real danger, but not in the case that it will hinder you from becoming the leader you know what you want to be. So like I'm thinking to myself, how many times has that ha- played a role in my life? And I've worked really hard at like, you know, when you come up to a roadblock in your life or you feel stuck, I'm starting to realize, okay, what is the subconscious program kind of at play here? And where in my past maybe did this derive from? Because it's like when you could understand that story, like you said, it can happen quick. And it's almost like you can break that paradigm, I want to say, without sounding too woo-woo for my listeners. Uh, you can break that that system you're working under and, and, and go to new heights as soon as you almost understand why you're being stuck where you're stuck. How do you feel like... The hard part, like I really admire how you're able to have a very clear, succinct story. I only have a couple of those in which I'm like, I'm like this. I treat money this way, for example, because my dad was really careless with his money. And so almost I'm overcompensating as an adult being too careful with my money because as a kid, I would see my dad, you know, just throwing money out the window and I'd viscerally be like, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. So that's something I'm working on in terms of my programming, my systems. What are some ways in which you kind of reflect on what you're going through now? And or what are ways you recommend that people get clear on those old paradigms, those old systems, those subconscious stories? Because not all of us can remember our formative years from, you know, five to 12 so well. So uh, in relation to that, I love what you said. Could you go a little deeper on that in terms of like how to get clear on that? I think first off, you have to become an observer in your own life. Hmm. You have to get out of your cognitive and your emotional biases because that's when you're trapped inside of your own box. So I think that awareness, it comes from first, there has to be some side of some sort of influence or some sort of spark to get you to look in the first place. Right? Like, so Mm, I think, I think being aware a great trail, like I can think of it like a, a breadcrumb trail is just looking at your emotions. Like what emotions do you want to feel on a day-to-day basis? And what are the emotions you don't want to feel? If you're feeling shame or guilt or frustration or disempowerment in any form, I would look at what is the thought that created that and just try to observe that. Like what was the thought or what was the trigger to that? And then you can start examining where those thoughts came from and just observe them without getting caught up in the emotions of it. And when you can see where those thoughts come from, you can start to see the, the genesis 
of where these emotional triggers are coming out in you that aren't serving you. And you can start to look at the logic now outside of your bias. And the only, the thing that drives you is your belief systems, right? It's your identity. If your beliefs drive you, then, and beliefs are really all, all belief is, is a thought or a statement that you've accepted as truth, right? That's all belief is. It's something that you believe is true. If you have a six pack and I say you're fat, you're going to laugh at me because you don't believe that subconsciously to be true. Mm. See what I mean? So you have to start questioning the line of thinking that got you that emotional place. Mm. So for instance, if you see someone on Instagram and you're scrolling in the morning and all of a sudden you just get this feeling of like, man, I'm not doing enough with my life. I, I should be further along in life. Pause, right? You get that feeling. You probably feel inadequate. You're like, why do I feel not enough? And then you're, you're subconsciously going through all these thought patterns. You've got to look at that and question the, the statements you're making and then get to a point where you can see that they're, they're not true. Mm. And then you can start to install new beliefs in there. Mm. So like, let's just say you look at someone, you said, I'm not enough, right? Like this, this person has more than me. Well, let's just say you're religious and you believe in God. If God is omnipotent and omnipresent in favor, and, and you're a child of God, then by definition, you're enough. So all these, you can start to see different logic patterns that get you to the point mm. where you're saying, wow, these, these past patterns are true. Mm. And when you can get to see logically when things aren't true, you can begin to formulate nutrients. Well, okay, if that's not true and I just destroy this old habitual idea that now I've proven is false, what, what is true? And you mm -hmm. can start to instill new things. So with me, failure used to be a big one because I think your relationship to a few things in life has the biggest determinant of your success and happiness, right? Your relationship to failure, your relationship to success, your relationship to love, relationship to money. It's your relationship, not the actual thing that matters. Mm. Right? So I would question, I would write down money, love, all these different words and, and literally just brainstorm. What, do you, what are your initial feelings and, and sentiments about these things? Mm. And you got to be real with yourself too, because all progress starts with truth, right? So you can't be like sugarcoating and consciously thinking about these things. You've got to really allow yourself to, to see what you feel about them. Hmm. And then you can work through the logic there. Hmm. So for money, if you have thing with money, what is it that you believe about money that triggers these negative things? Hmm. And you start to go through those beliefs and like, wow, money, money is the root of all evil. The more money you have, the more problems you have. These fundamental beliefs are going to make sure that you repel money because money is like a threat now. So why would you want to invite a stranger who's going to hurt you into your home? Hmm. Right? So you got to start looking at your beliefs there. And say, well, what is money? And you gotta you gotta reframe things, but not in a bullshit way. You gotta reframe them in a way that's true for you, where you can logically see that is true. Mm. And then from there, you're like, okay, now you can actually start making new decisions because you've had your truth shifted. That mm. makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think it to me, I, I think of it as take your become conscious, become a watcher of your thoughts, like you said, and when those negative things come up, and then almost take them less serious initially. Like when you know they're so charged and they're creating that deep negative feeling, I love what you said. And what I'm taking from that is take it a little less serious and begin to question that. Like, where does that come from? What is the root belief there? And rather than like bullshitting myself saying, no, it's not true, it's not true. Almost treating that that negative thought as a little kid, maybe a wounded child that is uh, bringing up some stuff. And as the true adult, maybe I could respond to, okay, like I hear why you're thinking that. 
Um, but you know, that's not the truth. Money isn't this money, isn't that. And, um, from that true adult space, like you said, we can reframe it, not in a, not in a, a bullshit way, but in a, a true way. Um, I want to pivot a little. One of the things you, you hinted at it to, uh, to reach a new level in whatever it is, entrepreneurship, um, personal development, whatever it is, you have to begin to think and act completely differently. And this is starting to kind of cross the bridge from like thinking and, and evolving internally to actually doing the actions that are making you a new person to reach a new level. You say we have to become new people. We have to have a completely new operating system. We have to change our beliefs, um, our self-identity. Tell me more about this, man, because I think this is like the the core and the the foundation of so much of what I love about you is that you you hammer this point down. And I also want to throw in there, it's cool that you're not just like a psychologist. You're not a scholar. Like you are actually living this shit. And I think that's why I gravitate to you. I, I read a lot of books. I study from authors and, you know, all these top level thinkers. But which ones are taking this information and living uh, an entrepreneurial life, a, a travel life, doing good service? And so I think that's what I love about you. And what and what ways have your yeah your your new beliefs shifted and how have you gone about that and your identity? And I'll, I'll let you take that question any way you see fit. Yeah, definitely. As a quick footnote, I'm certainly not a psychologist. I, everything I do is self-studied, um, but I, I believe in experience and I don't preach anything that I haven't applied and seen results with myself. So exactly, uh, I love the academia side. It's so important, but um, I, I want to test it out in my own life because there's 10,000 people that are smarter than me on this stuff, but I've actually applied it and I just like to share what actually has worked for me. Mm. So when it comes to identity and, and changing your life and your results and, and transformation, um, I think a great context to paint is I believe that everybody has two lives. Like you, Max, have two lives. I, Chris, have two lives. And we have our default life and we have our designed life. And they both live with inside of us as possibilities in this quantum realm, right, where we're connected to everything. And our default is the person that we wound up being because of our childhood conditioning. Uh, for those of you who are interested in psychology, up until about seven or eight years old, you don't have a lot of cognitive functions. So you become a sponge for everything that you experience. You end up adopting the beliefs, the traits, the behaviors of your parents, your teachers, anyone who influenced you. And those truths, which weren't yours, end up becoming yours. And you end up living your whole life through those lens, primarily without questioning it. And it's when you start questioning that that your life actually begins, in my opinion. And when you start questioning those, and you can start to say, hey, this is who I was, and this got me to this point, you can start to unpeel the things that aren't really you and, and actually create yourself. And that's when you start designing yourself and designing your life. And I think that's kind of like that matrix scene when you take the red pill, and you, you wake up, and there's just no going back. Once you realize that everything until that moment in your life has technically been inauthentic. Who you are is completely inauthentic as a, as the person you wound up being, because it is just a learned set of behaviors, patterns, and conditions that created who you were. And that's why you have so many people that are far along in their careers that aren't happy because they never woke up. They never woke up and, and found out that they never actually created themselves. They just lived a life that was predetermined for them when they were like six years old. And that's a scary place to be. So I think the first thing is just to wake up and realize you need to question everything. 
It's, and, and the greatest thing that is going to lead you to questioning is that intuitive thing you have, that feeling in your stomach when something either makes you come alive or, or it just feels wrong. That intuition is powerful to lead you to start to see who you really are. Mm. So for me, I think I started realizing back to that story that I had a limiting belief that I couldn't be a leader because I was going to let people down. But deep down, since I was the youngest kid, I can imagine I just had a deep, deep love for people. I, I wanted to empower people. I had a huge heart for people. I hated seeing injustice. Like I wanted to be a leader for people and it just came natural to me. Right. But I was suppressing that because of this default paradigm that I was stuck inside of. Right. So when I realized that I was stuck inside of it, I said, what do I really want? That is the question you got to start with. Like, what do you really want? And you mm. got to drop into your heart here. Like you got to drop into your soul and get past what you think sounds good to other people. Mm. Ask why, after you figure out what you want, ask why seven times or even more, really get to the root of why you want to do something and make sure you feel it. And it's not some cognitive thing that sounds good because it's like a marketing thing. Or again, it's a, it's one of those things that people are going to be like, Oh, that guy's awesome because he did that. So if I'm honest with, so with the nonprofit, why do you want to start a nonprofit? Right? At first I wanted to do something meaningful with my life. And it was about, there was, there was an element of significance to it. Like, Hey, I want my life to be worth something. Maybe there's even a little bit of guilt because I'm like, man, I've, I've had the most privileged life here in America. And then to go and travel and see all these um, broken, impoverished places where it was just so tough to live. I was like, dude, I feel guilty that I get to live this life and they don't, right? And over time that evolved into this complete love and acceptance for people. And the energy that drives me now is contribution connection. I just love to connect and contribute and, and empower people when it comes from a very different place. And so that came from design, right? So I think to move back to the question, you have to ask yourself, what do you really want your life to look like? Who do you want to be is probably a better question because often we don't know what we really want. But I think if we really sit down, we can, we can, we can figure out who we want to be, mm. right? We can figure out how do you want to show up? How do you want to treat people? How do you want to make people feel? Um, when shit hits the fan, how do you want to respond? You mm. can start thinking about, those things, what emotions, more importantly, do you want to feel on a daily basis? For me, it wasn't just happiness and joy. I wanted to feel pain because I, I know that pain equals growth. So I want, I, I chase pain and discomfort now because of that. I wanted to feel courage. I feel like unless you're facing your fears, you're living a small life and that fear of living a small life um, and wanting more out of my existence here drove me so much and drives me so much to this day that mm. I want to feel courage on a daily basis. I want to mm. feel that feeling of seeing a fear and overcoming it. Mm. Um, so these kind of things will give you an idea of who you really are and who you want to be for other people rather than this small reptilian version of yourself that is like, you know, making decisions based off of fear and scarcity and trying to protect yourself. And mm. um, I'll let you chime back in in a second. But the, the thing I just want to distinguish is that the default you got to realize who you are as, as a human being evolutionarily. Like we weren't built for success and fulfillment and for doing great things. We really weren't, we were built to survive. So you have to choose, do you want to operate inside of this prehistoric designed human mind where you're out there surviving and making it to the next meal and trying to find your next mate? Or do you want to live a life that you're creating that you're literally painting a blank canvas from a place of, pure love and intent and excitement and fulfillment 
um, you get to choose between those. And it's mm -hmm. a moment to moment decision-making process. But if you're still trapped inside of this survival mechanism that was built called the brain, and you can't go beyond that, you can't elevate your awareness and your desire beyond that, then by default, you've chose not to live that design life. And you're always going to come up against that feeling like, man, I feel like I feel like I'm just not living my purpose and not doing enough. Man, and I love I love that that you tell people like, hey, you might be operating at a default setting where you're not actually conscious of like the life you're living might just be your molded personality has gotten you here. And if you don't dare to break that personality, it's almost impossible to reach that new life. And then I do love that you said, How do I want to be? rather than what do I want to do? I remember when we first talked, that was something that you had mentioned that stuck with me. It was like you had said early in your career, you kept asking the question, what do I want to do? What do I want to do? What do I want to... And that is a question I think that plagues us in this so many options world. We have the ability to see how everybody else is living. There's all this FOMO. There's all this comparison. And with that um, comes the what do I really want to do? And that's a hard question to ask. And I still have trouble answering that question. I'm like, what does the next X amount of years look like exactly? And it's, I don't know. And with the spiritual beliefs I have now, I trust that, you know, I might not be able to even dream of the clear vision that I'm going to live in one day, but it's easier to say, if I can't see the details of what will transpire, just like if I looked back five years ago, I would never think I'm doing what I'm doing today. It's better than I could have thought. Um, I, I assume the same goes for the future. I love the question, who do I want to be? Because that isn't a question I can't answer and live in accordance with. I do want to touch back to that point of, are we, li are we living in that reptilian brain or are we living in the, you know, are we living in the survival setting or in the thriving setting? And when you get clear on who I want to be, uh, perhaps you get some clarity on what you want to do now to get to that, like how you want to be. It's easy to have those moments of clarity and those brainstorming sessions and you're like, fuck yeah, I'm, I'm doing this. This is who I'm going to be now. The hard part is showing up and putting, you know, putting it to the pavement and actually doing it every single day because uh, that reptilian brain, you know, has evolved over millennia. So tell me about day to day. What are the things that might come up in terms of trying to live in accordance, like you said, with that person that you want to be? I think it's so key to realize that you're always going to default to your identity, right? Your identity is going to set that bar. And so when you're looking at this, yeah, you can have that clarity session and get all excited and pumped up. You might watch an epic documentary that you're like, oh my God, I can freaking do anything. Yeah. Um, but this is the case. You can't create your future from the past. So if you're still trapped inside of the same past driven beliefs that are limiting and you're trying to create your future from there, your future is going to look an awful lot like your past. Hmm. So I truly believe you have to do the inner work to figure out what limiting beliefs are there that are patterns that are looking for different ways to reenact themselves hmm. in your life, controlling you. You have to discover what those paradigms are and shift them. There's a guy named Bob Proctor. I would definitely recommend everyone go study immensely. He's tremendous at teaching this stuff. Um, ALA, Landmark, there's a lot of different seminars that do this but you have to really figure out what's been holding you back from your past. You have to kind of dig those roots out of the ground and get them out of there. So you can plant your garden, right? Mm. You don't want to plant your garden on a bed of weeds. Mm. See what I mean? So you want to excavate those things and not like you need to spend your whole life living in your past, trying to excavate every little rock that might've held you back. You know, there's a pragmatic approach to it, but you do want to get that awareness and get those out. So let's assume now 
we've, we've healed some of these things that have been holding us back and we want to actually create ourselves to be a new person. Your behaviors are going to influence your identity more than anything, right? And the cool part is you don't necessarily have to go do this, this, this past-based work if you do this. When you decide you want to be something, let's just say I want to be a musician, right? I've never played guitar. I, I suck at singing. Uh, but I've always wanted to be a musician, but I've told myself this story my whole life. Uh, I suck at music and I, I have a terrible voice. And you probably had, you pl- probably tried ukulele when you were four and your, your parents said you suck. And, and that created this idea or this story that you could never be good at music. Right. Yeah. Um, whatever it is, you have to change your behaviors to align with that result you're looking for. And you have to practice them consistently enough. And as if, you're already good at them with the enthusiasm as if you're already great until you see the result. The problem is people try things temporarily. Um, for instance, this guitar, the music, the music thing, they try things temporarily and they do it with this half-assed effort because they don't really expect or see themselves as that person that gives them a half-assed result. And then that reinforces that mechanism to say, see, I told you I couldn't do this. I told you I'm not this. And that's the thing is you have to figure out what do you want to do, right? And then you have to say, what would this person do? Hopefully you can get some mentorship if possible as well. You got to figure out what would that person do? If I want to be an athlete and I want a six pack and I want to do all these, break all these records, what would that person do, right? They would eat clean. They would wake up. They would have a great sleep regimen. They'd have workout protocol. They probably have a trainer. They'd be following a system, not just haphazardly going and working out, right? So you start to figure out what would these people do? And you start to tell yourself, I'm an athlete, I'm an athlete. And at first your subconscious will reject that idea. You're like, no, you're not, dude, you're way overweight. You've never done any sports. You're not an athlete, right? But over time, if you show up consistently every day with the vision and the feeling like you're an athlete, seeing that future vision, right? That's why we're such amazing creatures. We can see and feel visions in different possibilities that aren't Mm. even in reality yet and then bring them into reality right? That's the, the great part about human beings. If you can do that and take action with enthusiastic action every day before you have the result consistently enough till you have the result and look at the data when you fall out of alignment as just data without getting into an emotional sabotage saying, Dude, I see, I told you're not this, I told you're not good enough. If you can avoid that and, and stay focused, eventually day 60, 90, 120, your body is transformed. Your identity also is transformed. Mm. And eventually it'll be harder to not associate with that. So eventually to think of yourself not as an athlete would be inconceivable, Mm. right? But that happens over time through the compound effect, through consistent action and not just half-assed action, but enthusiastic action with the fundamental belief and energy behind it that you're going to have it and that you are it already. I love the enthusiastic action. What gets one enthusiastic to act? Like what what are some ways that you keep that vision really crystal clear? Because like, again, we can have that clarity session, write it all out and be super stoked. And, and it takes time. So 30 days from now, what is a way to kind of prime that? Well, what if I asked you to go talk to a girl that you thought was attractive? And I told you beforehand, I was like, there's no way she's going to say yes. Go talk mm. to her though. Yeah. And you'd then be, you'd be super scared. <laughs> yeah, you'd be scared. You probably wouldn't be stoked, right? But what if I then told you, hey, that girl literally came up to me and said, that guy's super attractive. I would love for him to come up and get my number. How would you approach that conversation? How would you feel? Oh yeah, super confident. And you'd be excited. You'd be Smooth, enthused, right? Excited, yeah. So what's what's the, what's the difference there? Your the expected outcome is that I'm going to succeed. 
Exactly. The expectation. You have to expect it. You like, I think faith and faith isn't God. Faith is just faith in something. Mm. You got to have faith in yourself. You got to believe in yourself um, and just throw a Hail Mary up to God or to the universe and say, hey, you have faith. You got to mm. expect to win mm. because if you don't expect to win, you're not going to take the enthusiastic action. Why would a football team train all year in mini camp and go through all the grueling effort if they thought there was no shot they could win? And the ones that, I mean, there's probably some that clearly could use some mindset help because they're in reinforced patterns of mediocrity, but you, you got you to gotta believe bigger than your current circumstance. So that goes back to the, the design and the default. The default, I mean, you're, you, you're at where you're at right now, right? You're currently, you're at where you're at. That's just what it is, right? But you're not stuck there. We have growth mindset. We have neuroplasticity. I think through understanding brain science, it's really helpful because we've come to understand through research that our brain is completely malleable. We can literally change our complete reality, our brains, our chemistry. Like we can become different people genetically. It's ridiculous. So once you realize that, you got to say, cool, what do I want? And you, you just got to go for it and get so obsessed with that idea mm. and the emotions you want from that idea that you just cut off all possibilities and doubt really gets quiet. Mm. Um, but here's the key. You have to want it. Like the number one reason people don't follow through with things is they don't really want it. You know, they say, hey, I want to I be more disciplined, so I'm going to meditate in the morning. But there's no real reason why they want it. So they fall off after eight days. Mm. You got to get whatever you do. I always recommend this. Whenever you're thinking about what you want to accomplish or a goal that you want to achieve, write down at least 50 reasons why you have to have it. Mm. You have to stack reasons. Otherwise, when the going gets tough or when there's a distraction or something else you can do, you're going to fall off because you didn't want it bad enough. And hunger, desire is the number one catalyst to achievement. Like mm. your level of success and achievement can't out succeed, can't outperform your level of desire. Like desire is everything. And so it's got to be real. The, the associated benefits have to be so massive for you that the doubts, the fears and all that shit doesn't even become relevant anymore. That's an important point. I want to hammer it home because it almost goes back to your initial point that we can't be doing these actions out of um, a fear of lack or you know, a lot of people in the personal development space are as they learn this information are like, yeah, I probably should meditate. I probably should, you know, journal more. And that sh that should is like, I'm not as good as I could be. That would probably help. But as you said, day eight comes, their identity kicks in. There's some resistance to the habit. It's going to stop working. That should, they're like, well, I did it. You know, I'm not seeing the, the benefits. And then that programming kicks in, that default state kicks in. Um, that reptilian brain kicks in and all the negative reasons start coming. So I love that you said stack it with 50 reasons why this is important to you. Um, and so that, that kind of helps override the reptilian default state you're saying. And just to clarify too on the energy, like I'm a huge fan of stoicism and this concept called Amor Fati. And this Amor Fati is basically the love of one's fate. And all it means is that no matter what you put into the fire, good, positive, negative, all these things, energy is just energy. It's using everything to propel you towards what you want. It's using every energy. So I think in some cases, it's powerful to tap into that negative energy. It's powerful to tap into those um, childhood insecurities that can propel you to massive levels of success. I think you can use that to your benefit. I had a buddy who lost one of his best friends in war and he felt the guilt uh, of that. 
of his death. And um, he used that energy to earn this life. Mm. That was his mantra, earn this life. So he used that guilt and that pain to propel him to do incredible things. And now he's like selling God knows how many books and impacting the world. Um, I think we can use any energy in our life for the better, right? Nothing really has, everything just is, all energy just is, and it's our filters that give it an emotional charge. So I think our attitude and our lens towards life is far more important than anything outside of us. Mm. And if you can take control and, and program your filter to convert all negative energy into power, then you're unstoppable. And so that's, that's an art and a craft and a practice. And the, probably the biggest thing to focus on is you're either living life in a powerful state or a suffering state. And those states are going to have the greatest impact on your emotions, uh, how you, what behaviors you have, what results you get in the life that you have. So just converting energy is, is the biggest thing to really maximizing, you know, like with successful people, they say, don't manage your time, manage your energy. Yeah. Like there could not be a truer statement. Like I can time block my calendar and bust out 30 cold calls in 30 minutes but it's the energy I have in those calls that's going to determine my results, right? So you want to manage your mood, your emotions, your attitude, your perceptions, your filters. Those are going to create the blueprint for, for your life, right? So kind of off topic there, but I felt like that was worth not, saying. That. Not at all. And I love the, uh, it's almost the alchemization of whatever's happening in your life. If you have that strong, like this is the, I know I want to go this direction, you have the, everything can essentially help you or hurt you. And if it depends which state you're living in. And so if you have that power to kind of alchemize, uh, it's not only the good things. I love that, that you can use and put into the fire as fuel and help your energy. But you know, one of my, you know, childhood, and I know you, I saw on your page resonate was Kobe Bryant, man. He was the initial warrior archetype growing up. That was like, this guy knows how to fuel and alchemize, you know, things like, um, criticism or doubt and he he will use that negative energy as fuel and that's what helped him become you know some one of the greatest of all time and I think a lot of people can resonate with that so I love that you distinguished that in your own words man like when you go down this path of personal development and you have done the work on your psychology and your self-limiting beliefs and your identity it sounds like a lot of work man and so if you're not in this space it can seem like you know these two you know Max and Chris are doing the most like that I'm just not cut out like that so I, I love to paint a picture that it's not so much of a grind as you might think it is to do the work. It's so rewarding once you begin to feel those breadcrumbs, as you put it. Like once you start down this path, it's not so much pushing anymore. It's almost like the path is pulling you. I, I've, I love. So for you, when you started doing this personal development work, that maybe at first, you know, shifting your identity and shifting gears can be very uncomfortable. But I don't want to paint it as like, you know, this just crazy mountain because it's not, I really don't think it is. It really is a fulfilling journey. How has that been for you and what kind of worlds have opened up to you since you've begun doing this work? Dude, that is such a good question. I was so resistant to personal development until like three years ago. And um, I think it just finds you at the right time, but you're so right. Like for me, people do look at me and be like, dude, your life looks exhausting to me. But it's so interesting because that's, again, going back to the perception, it's so fulfilling and naturally exciting for me. Like, I feel like I have reservoirs of energy 
and it doesn't wear me out. And I think personal development is not about just personal development. It's like, I love the, the phrase you use. It's the world that open up when you open up, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, you're going to die. Why wouldn't you, why would you not want to be the most happy, fulfilled, rich, abundant, giving, contributive person you could possibly be, right? Mm -hmm. Like, why, why would you not want that? So if I could tell you, I could triple your income, help you find the, the woman of your dreams and architect a life where you're incredibly happy, fulfilled and making your biggest contribution and you just feel like you're living your purpose every day. If you said, I don't want that, I would say, I totally respect that. But I think most people really do. But I think most people, when they have that negative resistance to personal development, isn't because they think it's bullshit. I think it's because they're scared of doing the work. Mm. And it is work. I think a lot of people don't want to confront themselves mm. because the idea of personal development is you have to face your own bullshit and you have to go through the uncomfortable work to become the person that then would have the results you want in life. I think people want to have amazing results. They want to make millions of dollars. They want to have an amazing relationship. They want to live this ideal lifestyle. They want everything outside of them to change, but they don't want to change. Mm. And so do you see the incongruency there? There's, it doesn't make any sense. And there's, it's like the ego at work. When you say that, man, I'm like, yes, I've been there where you don't want to admit that you have not been doing everything suboptimally for the last like maybe five years. It's, it's the ego will do anything to stay safe in its, in what it is. So for you to be able to reflect on, or for me to be able to reflect on what I've done in these last three years you know, I have to change a lot of the shit. I have to call myself out on a lot of these ways. And to be able to say that is harming my ego. And it puts me in this vulnerable state. So I think that that was a great point. You almost have to transcend that and look, be able to look at yourself a little more objectively. And to tie this back to something else you said was to change our relationship with failure. Like for me to look back and say, you know, if I want to really change my relationship with money, let's say, um, I have to be willing to admit that the way I've been treating this part of my life has been almost like a failure or it's been like that's not working and one may might take that if they're too identified with their ego they might say man like you know like they might take it so personally and let that just crumble them but um to be able to address yourself i think in a kind compassionate loving way is the only way to do it and then from there you're able to be beyond the ego because the ego has that fear you know reptilian voice um yeah so like that relationship with failure, man. Like, um, I know we, we got to wrap up soon. I don't want to take too much of your time. So we'll do a little like rapid fire, but, uh, how does one really start to hammer home like that relationship with failure? Because failure is so like, it's becoming something I really need to hammer home on with myself. So how do you view failure? How do you recommend we view failure? I think a distinction that might be helpful that at least I went through in my own life that I think a lot of people can relate to is, the looking good syndrome. Yeah. And we, we care so much about looking good and preserving an image of ourselves that we end up doing things out of accordance with who we are and we lose a lot of credibility with ourselves. And we're, we're so scared to protect this idea of ourselves that we end up playing safe and we're, and, and we're not, we don't want to fail because that would expose us as frauds, right? So there's a subconscious drive to play small and to not go out and fail. Right. So you got to get rid of that. So I, I went from like this know-it-all to what I call like a learn-it-all. Yeah. So I went from this guy who like, I had to know all the answers. I had to always be look good. I couldn't be vulnerable. 
Uh, I couldn't admit my failures. I just couldn't do anything because my ego was so freaking tightly bound on me. I couldn't do anything that was had an opportunity to jeopardize my image, right? But things shifted for me when I just decided to become a learn it all. And I shifted my belief system, which says, hey, there's a lot of shit that I'm not good at, um, but I can learn anything. I can learn anything. And I just started studying, I think. I changed my friend group and, mm. and got new friends that were, that were failing on massive levels. I think that's a big thing to look at guys is like your associations are going to be massively influential on what you do and don't do. Mm. If all of your friends are going out and feeling big and they're laughing and having a great time and that becomes natural and you see that on a day to day, like a day to day basis and it's not so demonized and you're not so scared of it because it's actually real for you. Uh, then it's going to be fun to go out and fail. But if all your friends are like, the people that are like talking shit behind your back, like, oh, he's going to go, like, you're going to be really hesitant because you don't want to be ousted from your tribe, right? So hang out with people that are, that are making mistakes that are encouraging it because those people love to see you fail because they know you're failing forward and it's in a way where it's supportive, not like, hey, that motherfucker failed. How do you, how do you go about finding those people? I think, you, I think a couple of ways. You got to put yourself in proximity. So go to business, go, go to go to places where these people hang out. If you want to hang out with more business people, go to seminars, go to personal development stuff, go to courses, mm-hmm. um, DM people on Instagram and get them on a podcast and, and develop a, a natural relationship that way, right? It's a, such a life hack. Um, get around them. And then two is you got to realize that those people hang around with birds of the same feathers, right? So you have to be on their level, not financially, but energetically and in, in, in your ambition, mm-hmm. right? I have friends that are like 50,000 times further along, like financially and in their career than me that were on the same level as friends. Energy is the same. The ambition is the same. Our values are the same. Um, my commitment to internal greatness is on the same kind of frequency. Mm. So you've got to get on the frequency of these people and be like them too, mm. whoever you want to be around. That's a great point. You know what I mean? Like people can tell right away when you're going up and fanboying out, like I don't fanboy with people. And I, sometimes you have that, you see someone, you're like, wow, I really admire you. You, you, you have to set yourself back down a, a notch and just, and just approach them as human beings. So mm-hmm. like, you gotta, you gotta have a lot of self value and self worth to be able to create real relationships. Because when you go up to someone that you admire and you see them on a pedestal, there's a gap in energy and they can feel it. They can feel this person's approaching me as not an equal. And you can't create a relationship, a true relationship on unequal energy levels. Mm. That's why when a guy looks too thirsty for a girl, she can feel that. There's no way she wants to build a relationship. She looks at you as a friend, right? Or someone she doesn't want to talk to. It's it's always getting on that same energy level. So you do Mm. that by getting in proximity and then working on yourself, building credibility and a strong self-image and being at their level energetically Mm. to attract them and actually have the opportunity to build real relationships. I love it. I'm going to hit you with a couple more rapid fire and then I'll let you go. One of the biggest questions I get, you know, and this, you've definitely hammered this already, but I just want to like get your specific take on this word is confidence. And that's, I mean, so many people reach out to me, you know, cause I, I, I started in the athletic space. So, so many athletes, especially, and then entering the professional world, how do I deal with confidence? The, the issue of confidence, that imposter syndrome, um, as we start to step into that new identity, definitely approach like new opportunities open up, new worlds open up. Um, you, I know you've connected with some of the top thinkers in the world with your podcasts, um, which are amazing, by the way. So 
when you have that, maybe that gap, like you said, energetically with someone, I think you just hit on it, but how do we get that confidence piece to kind of fit in? So confidence comes from your references, right? You can be a confident person, but if you're going into a new territory, let's say I've never done podcasting it's my first podcast. I might not be that confident, right? Cause I don't have enough references in my past that tells me that I'm good at it. Mm. That's fine. But if you are a confident person, which basically to me just means that you know who you are and who you want to be and you live your life consistent with that. You make promises to yourself, you keep them. You take good care of yourself. I think there's certain habits that are going to make you a confident person to where you relate to yourself as consistent to where you trust yourself. So confidence is just trusting in yourself, right? And so I can go do something now because I've trusted in myself. I have a morning routine. I'm very disciplined during my day. I work out. I treat people well. Uh, I set big goals that scare me and I actually go after them and take action in spite of the fear. So I do enough of these things to where I feel like a confident person. Now mm -hmm. there's still things that are new that I don't feel confident in off the bat, but I realize that's just, a, that's just a game of references. Mm -hmm. And so if you want to be confident in something, let's say you want to sell a software and you're brand new to the job, or you want to go approach a woman, educate yourself, increasing your intelligence, is the best way to become confident. Um, understanding how to speak about it, how to, how to converse about it, understanding the IQ of things is gonna make you a lot more confident. If I was gonna sell you something, it'd be very different if I have no idea what I'm talking about versus if I know everything back to front, I've studied sales, I understand how to ask the right questions. So study and educate yourself in that topic that you wanna be good at. If you wanna do podcasting, follow a few people and model them. Look at Tom Billu and Ed Milets and, and really study what they do, how they ask their questions, read articles, practice with friends. There's all these reps that you can get in before you get into the ring. And that's going to give you a lot more confidence. So preparation is huge. And then just putting in the reps and not, not like, this is the biggest thing when it comes to confidence. It is not taking yourself out of the game before you even swung, right? Um, maybe even a better metaphor is like, boxing people will take an action they'll get punched one time and jab and they'll get out of the ring and start questioning themselves it's like no you got to take way more punches you got to stay in the ring you got to keep going at whatever it is and have some resilience and over time you're going to get good and that's when you're really going to get confident you know it, it takes time so preparation put in the reps and that's pretty much it i love it man Man, I'm, I'm fired up after this conversation. Um, is there a, given everything we've talked about, I'm going to leave this to you. Is there a low-hanging fruit exercise that we can call my audience out to do right now? I'm going to do it after whatever it is you give. Um, yeah, what I, I love to process things in my journal. I talk about journaling all the time. It's such a good tool for me to like get my unconscious out of my brain. What is maybe a tool that you recommend, given everything we've talked about, that we can do right now? Great question. Let's see. Let me pick from a few of my favorites that have helped me the most. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Number one, I would say, I would like to challenge you to, to adopt one new habit for the next 30 days and do it every single day without missing a day. If you, if you miss one day, you have to start over. So 30 days, one new habit, and you can choose from a, a range of habits, but I want you to do them in the morning because I think when you control your morning, you start to control your day and you control your destiny. And any one of these habits it could be meditating and minimum of 15 minutes every morning. Cause that's when you start getting some psychological benefits. 
Um, if you really want to step it up, ice plunges, cold plunges. You can buy one from Costco. They're like five, 600 bucks. Uh, or you could take cold showers, which I think is actually even harder. Um, but to do those every day for at least 60 seconds. And the reason I say this is not because you're going to like make $10 million in 30 days from doing that. You want to train your brain to, to say, hey, I'm in control. I get to control what habits and what behaviors we do. And I like the, I like the aspect of training grit and discipline. Um, any habit that's tough, like meditating for a prolonged period of time or ice baths, or maybe for you, it's reading, you know, 30 minutes a day though, um, is, is the discipline in cultivating grit, right? Because two or three days, you're going to be excited. You heard it on the podcast. You're like, this is going awesome. I don't know, day seven or eight, you're hungover, or there's, there's some excuse that comes up and you break it and you start to see that how am I going to achieve greatness in my life if I can't even commit to one thing for 30 minutes a day? Mm. And it's going to start training you to raise your own standard in your life and to start taking control of your behaviors. So just install one habit. It could be reading, cold plunges, meditation, journaling, but do it every single day for 30 days. I love it, man. What is a piece of advice or encouragement, assuming you would change nothing, where you're at is perfect. What is a piece of advice or encouragement you would give your 25-year-old self? Good question. That's a tough one. That's, 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 that's always my last question. It's my favorite. <laughs> that's a great question. 25-year-old uh, self. I would say the, the one piece of advice I have is stop trying to impress people. Stop trying to impress people. Stop looking for validation because it's stealing your greatness. It's stealing what makes you unique. And you're spending so much time focused on achieving and doing things to please people and to get love and acceptance from people. And it's pulling you away from the path that you were meant to walk. And it's pulling all the fulfillment in front of the journey out of your life. So just accept yourself, realize you're fucking awesome the way you are and start to get an idea for what you really want out of your life forget Instagram, forget what everyone else is doing. Truly ask yourself, what do you want for your one life? It's a very unique life. And don't get trapped in this illusion that other people have it better. Because I know a lot of these people who look incredible on Instagram and their, their life doesn't look the same. So get away from the images and the, and the false idols and stop idolizing and putting people up on pedestals. Uh, make a decision, make a commitment to be the hero of your own life. Write your story write it in detail and, and commit yourself to that. And don't let the distractions uh, that of chasing validation and chasing recognition distract you from doing what you want to do and, and who you really want to be. So good, man. So good. I felt that in my body. So thank you. Uh, I resonate with that a ton. Where can people find you? There's so many good things that you have online. So I'll, I'll let you take it. Where can people find you and learn more about you? Sure. Instagram at Chris Vasquez official LinkedIn. If you guys are on LinkedIn, Chris Vasquez with the quantum talent group is my company um, podcast, the founders playbook on Apple podcasts. Those are, those are a few good spots to find me. Cool. Thank you so much for joining me, man. I had a blast. I learned a ton and I'm, I'm fired up. Yeah. Great interview, man. Thank you. Thanks, man. That does it for this episode. Thank you guys for listening. Share this episode if you like it. Send it to your mom, your grandma, your brother, whoever might like it. Share a screenshot to Instagram. I love when you guys do that. Again, if you're interested in learning with me and if you want me to send you articles, book recommendations, journal prompts, or anything else I can think of to support you, get added to the newsletter. I'll include a link in the show notes below. 
love you guys. I hope you guys are having a good day. See you on the next episode. Bye, bye, bye.